When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. We'll get to all the NHL stuff because that's what the show is supposed to do. But of course, we are coming to you after Super Bowl weekend. What a game. What a halftime show. Siege, how did you enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I actually missed the halftime show, so I feel like that's my bad. I'm gonna have to go back. Man, what, dude? Like, I I think the Prince halftime show is probably the best one that's ever been done. I know Beyonce had hers and Destiny's Child too. That Super Bowl halftime show was the most enjoyable experience I've had watching that show ever since I became a football fan. I love really? it. Really? Were you pumped for it going in? Like, did you have high expectations or? I don't know about high expectations. I was just like, like the assembly of artists. So like Dre, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, Mary J. Blige was like, okay, this is like, this is pretty big. And then they, and then they, they kind of surpassed those expectations and the special guests that they had there too. Like that was, that hyped me up as well. That was, that was super cool to see like 50 cent showing up recreating the in the club video i was like man that was sick you see anderson pock on the drums i was like nah like this is this was nuts i knew he was going to be part of that too i was like there's no way you can't you have the performance with dre in california and you don't have anderson pock involved in some fashion i was like really i should have bet on that to be honest with you i really should have bet on that did you bet on anything or did you just keep it uh you know no point spreads. No point spreads. I learned my lesson from the championship weekend uh, that uh, Pierre Lebrun, uh, who I'll mention later in this podcast, uh, kind of, you know, pushed me to do point spreads. But uh, no, I, I said, you know what? I'm sticking with just letting everyone know who I'm picking to win the Super Bowl. And that's sufficient for me. I did not make any bets, but maybe this year I'll make a bet for something right, else. What a, what a mistake by me, though. I was I switched locations at the halftime, so I missed the halftime show. I didn't miss any of the game by doing it that way, but. That was uh that was a rookie move from a veteran podcaster. That's very but then again, you're not even like a big like music guy anyway. I know, but I, I do usually like it. You know, I was out in public too, so you, you don't get to enjoy it the same way as if you're at home, I feel like. You know, it's, even with the game, like I did enjoy the game, but you're saying what a great game it was. Like I just feel like you're you're kind of half looking up, like there's chaos around. I just like I didn't I didn't watch it as closely as maybe I should have, but I was hoping Joe Burrow would win. Um, but you know, there's many more years for Joe Burrow to, to go at it. That dude, I'll say this. He is the truth. He is that dude. He is somebody who I think through this playoff experience, like I'll, I'm going to add him to my list of NFL quarterbacks that I genuinely like, like he's on the list with Mahomes and like Justin Herbert and stuff like he's, I earned a lot of respect for Joe Burrow this postseason. I know he did his thing in, in college. He's a national champion. He's a Heisman trophy winner, but Joe Burrow, he is that dude. He is Joe Cool. He is a personality. And I think that's why we all like him so much. Yeah, like, and he helped win me a fantasy football title this year, too. So yes. I, I, I picked him late because everyone was sleeping on him. He got injured last season, and uh, that, that helped me win a championship. So thank you, Joe. I don't think we mentioned this. Uh, we both are fantasy football champions in our respective leagues. Congratulations, wow. sir. Wow, thank you, and congrats to you. I mean – no one ever wants to hear about your fantasy team. I'll, I think I've played like 12 years. I'm in two pools now. I've won three times through two pools in 12 years. Anyway, it's pretty rare to win. Um, and the, but those flags fly forever. I got Wen and Romo. Uh, the, the flag's flying now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Make it about the NHL. How are you doing in NHL fantasy? I don't play any NHL fantasy. It's too close to work. Really? It's too involved, too. Like, you know, yeah. the games are every day. Like, what I love about the NFL is – you know, I'm not on there every day scouring the waiver wire. Like, I, I just kind of set my lineup on, on Wednesday, Thursday, whatever, you know, check it again on Sunday. But, like, I, I'm not – I find that it's just the right amount of, like, it keeps me interested, but it's not a lot of – I don't feel like it's work or anything. 
Um, whereas, you know, the NHL, I love the NHL. Don't get me wrong. I'm obviously watching games every day, but it's hard to, it just would be hard for me to be as into it. Plus, I don't have any friends that are into it. You know, we're actually, there's a media hockey writers pool that, that is our fantasy football pool. And so it's a lot of my buddies that, that cover the NHL that we do that together, but they, they don't do a hockey one. So I wonder if next year we should do like an SDP. I mean, if you're not down for it, then maybe doing an SDPN hockey fantasy pool would be pointless. But then again, considering the amount of shows they're adding to the SDPN, it might still be worth it. We just might not have you. Yeah, maybe I'll be the commissioner or something. You, that's possible. That's entirely possible. I'd be down for it. So we'll add that to the list of ideas here. SDPN fantasy pool, whether it's hockey or I'd be down for a football one too. Uh, but uh, you know, we'll 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 put we'll we'll table that idea for now, and we'll we'll get to the list of topics on the CJ show. Uh, speaking of fantasy, I'm sure any anyone who has Nazem Kadri on their team is doing pretty well this year. Uh, you kind of tweeted about him. Uh, over the weekend, he does have 62 points in 43 games. He's fourth in league scoring. He's having a really good year. He ended up going to the all-star game. I'm just curious, considering the fact he's in a contract year, right? Like, I is, is it too soon to kind of get a sense of what's going on in his head? Does he want to stay in Colorado? Does he want to go to a contending team? Like, I, I'm kind of curious about Nazem Kadri and his future. Well, I, I think that it's such a strange year to make sense of, right? I mean, by no means am I knocking him down a peg, but he's obviously on a great team. Like if you saw the goal he scored on Sunday, you know, Kale McCarr makes an unreal pass to him there. And, and so obviously he's benefiting from being on a high octane team, but he still has 62 points in 43 games. You know, his best ever in what is it? 10 previous seasons is 61 points. I mean, how do you, how do you make sense of that? That in his 11th or 12th season, depending on how you, you gauge the start of his career, that he has this, this, that this just outlier year, you know, he's always been a great player. He's, he twice scored 30 goals for the Leafs. Um, at that point in time, they, they were using him as their matchup center. So it wasn't even really <clears throat> being given sort of a prime offensive role because it was young Austin Matthews and the team at, at that stage that was kind of being put in the more offensive minutes. And so, you know, <clears throat> I don't know what his next contract looks like. Like, I don't know how you value this if you're a team when it comes to free agency, but I'm reasonably sure that Nazem Kadri is going to wait till July He's going to get to that market and he's going to see what those, those contracts might look like, what teams are thinking. Um, you know, it's not a matter of not wanting to stay in Colorado. I think all things being equal, he'd love to stay there, but this is a big time for him business-wise. You know, his last deal ended up being very valuable. He's four and a half million on a six-year contract and he's outperformed that with, with the way he's played on the, in those years. And so this is the last chance to, to make some of the bigger money. And I, I think he's, you know, I'm not saying he's chasing the money, but I think he's going to see what the, what the league thinks of him. And so, you know, the fact he switched agents recently to Darren Ferris, you know, kind of, I think is a window into that thinking, you know, Darren is, it's one of the, the things he does, to, you know, with his clients. I think he usually advises them to, to wait till the end to, to see, basically use the leverage you have in this case. And so um, maybe there's a world he can stay in Colorado. I, I don't really see it because they got other guys to pay, you know, Nathan McKinnon's contracts around the corner, you know, Cal McCarr just signed a big extension that kicks in, you know, it, you have to make hard choices in a salary cap. And I think ultimately that's going to make this, this is last year with the Avs, but what a last year. I mean, it, that team might win a Stanley cup and certainly he's a big part of their success. Absolutely. The thing is though, is that we're not talking about a guy who's at 27, 28 kind of entering his prime. We're talking about a guy in the prime right now, closer to exiting it. I'm curious for whatever big money that comes his way. I mean, I'm sure some teams might still throw it at him, but like, I, I wonder how much age is a consideration into that as well. Well, the term's going to be key, right? Um, you know, that's that's going to be probably where the negotiation gets done, the deal gets done. Um, you know, you probably, you're not as afraid to give him some big money on a three-year deal maybe, um, but you don't want to be giving it on a five- or six-year deal, uh, just given that he's already got a three at the start of his age. Yeah, that, that's what's amazing about the season. Like, it's hard to make sense of. We don't see this happen a lot, honestly, anymore. Uh, you know, players in their 30s, there's still lots of good players in their 30s. You know, Ovechkin sort of turning back the clock this year. Even Crosby is having a very productive season. <clears throat> but, you know, it's not those, – those guys were – you know, those guys were the goats of their generation. Um, so maybe we shouldn't be surprised by them. But, like, for Kadri to have such a big season at this point in time, I mean, he's shooting more, he's playing more, obviously scoring more. You know, 
the problem is you, you love this year, but you're, you're paying them for next year if you give them the contract. And I think everybody won't expect them to repeat this. I mean, he could end up with 100 points. Um, you know, I wouldn't bet against him at this stage. He, he doesn't even have to go point a game. Uh, or basically, has to go point a game the rest of the year to get there. Uh, so, you know, this, this is – it's a cool season. You know, I had a chance to talk to him in Vegas, actually, at the All-Star Weekend last weekend. And, and like, he just was saying, like, how hard he's worked for. Like, I feel like he, he's always you – know, I've known Nazem basically since he entered the league because he played in Toronto and, and I covered those teams. And, and he's never doubted himself. Like, like, I think one of his truly great abilities as an athlete is he just his, – his self-belief doesn't waver, which, I, you know, I see as – Honestly, I see that as a positive. Like, it could sound negative, but I certainly don't intend it that way. But he's the kind of guy that could get suspended for a playoff series, have the team lose, and not have it like affect him and negatively, like not have a carryover. Uh, and I think that was really important when he played for the Leafs, for example, where it was sort of controversy every new controversy every week. You know, sometimes he was a subject of it, um, but he never he never sort of lost his belief in himself. And so, you know, one thing he kept saying, he's like, "I've just worked so hard for this." And, and so uh, I feel like he always believed this was coming. Maybe, you know, the rest of the league wouldn't have thought that. Uh, and, you know, I, I got the sense he's really appreciating it. You know, that was his first all-star game too. So it was just a special season for him. And, and you know, what a time with, with that contract. That's another thing. Some guys get a, let a contract get in their head, right? Maybe affects their performance. If, you know, if anything else, that's probably fueling Nazem a little bit. Yeah. And good luck to him this year, man. Just get all the benefits you can get out of this year. If it ends in a cup, at the very least, when you go off to another team, if it becomes the case, you can at least be happy with the fact that you've done everything you possibly can in a year. Like that's that's pretty special for Nazem. I'm, ha- I'm happy for him. I always kind of liked him as a player. I know the whole suspension thing kind of you know kind of clouds him a little bit, but like I always thought he was a good solid player, especially when he was with the Leafs. Yeah, he, he was an excellent player. Honestly, I mean he's he's made good on his the, the promise he kind of entered the league with. Right, he was a top ten pick. Uh, it was the Montreal draft way back when we're doing another Montreal draft, but I remember that Montreal yes. draft. Brian Burke um, drafted him. And, you know, the thing too, is I think he'll get paid Julian because you're not paying him just for his production. He's a, he's a competitive guy. He's feisty. Like, like you're getting, you know, some, some players that have us, you know, would have this kind of scoring pace. They're not necessarily giving you a whole lot else. I mean, scoring is the hardest thing to do in the game. I mean, that there's value to that, but I, I feel like he does bring a bit of an edge to his game too, which, which I, you'll feel more comfortable with if you're giving him that contract, but I don't know, what is it? Three years times 7 million, 8 million. Like I, I think if you can keep it to three years, you, you're, you can give him, you can give him the money he's, he's going to want. Um, but cool story. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying seeing his success as well. Were you at the Montreal draft in 09? Oh uh, yeah, bud. Lucky. Um, I was, I was, that's lucky. I did the I did the Ottawa draft in 08 was my first one. Um, I was a kid then, <laughs> but I remember like the young Alex Petrangelo and Drew Doughty, Stephen Stamkos, and then Montreal. The next day, Brian Burke did a press conference. I remember um, at a downtown hotel. I wish I remember. I could like I could walk you to the hotel. Like I know where about it is. I just can't think what the name was. But talk about Kadri, like the least loved Kadri back then. Um, Man, the years go quick, though. Like, I remember that really clearly. I was at the Montreal All-Star Game, too. What was that, 2012? I forget the specific year, but that was a big That was a big year. That was that a little uh, – that might have been a bit sooner. Colder, that was the coldest I've ever been in my entire life. Like, I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> it was insanely cold. Like, you ask anyone who was at Montreal All-Star Game, that's the first thing they'll say to you. Like, it was – like, to walk from – I was at the, the Marriott uh, Chateau Champlain. Like, to walk from there to Bell Centre, which is, like, a nothing walk, felt like – you were braving, you're, you're, you know, trekking through the Antarctic or something. 2009 is when the all-star game was in Montreal. 2009 was a wild year. So they had that and the draft. Right. Yeah. It was, I think it was their hundred year anniversary, right? Yes, it was. It was their 100th oh. anniversary. The only thing I remember about the 09 draft, aside from it being in Montreal, I was in Stratford on a class trip. I was in a theater group and we went to Stratford for a few days and we came back on the train and we came back like right smack in the middle of all-star weekend. And there were all these like NHL people like walking around the bell center. Cause the train isn't too far from the bell center. And I met Larry Robinson and took a photo with him and Ken Hitchcock and took a photo with him. I have photos there, with those two gentlemen. There you go. They, you know what? Did you see this old tweet that was circulating around for me? Which one? 
It's from the 09 draft, actually, it turns out. And Brian Burke, I, I tweeted a quote from Brian Burke, probably from that press conference I'm talking about. And he said that Tampa would, would trade the number two pick to the Leafs, but only, they would only do it for Luke Shatt, who the Leafs had taken fifth overall the, the year before and was obviously one was their top prospect at the time. And, and, he, and he's like, you, you can't make that deal. And then, so it, as history turns out, that would have been Victor Hedman for Luke Chen. Um, and as much as I, I actually love Luke, I love seeing him win those cups in Tampa, but I think even, <laughs> Luke, even Luke would concede that that would have been a good trade for the Leafs in hindsight. Uh, I don't know why it just recently, someone just started retweeting it into my feed. Like, I don't know who went back and found this 2009 tweet from reporter Chris, but um it actually, it just made me laugh. Like, I don't remember tweeting that at all. Like, I don't remember Brian Brooks saying that. I'm sure he did. I wouldn't have tweeted otherwise. But um, what a what a thing that would have been. That's really, oh, that, man, you're just getting pained. <laughs> I feel pain. I'm not even going to leave saying that. That sucks. You could have had the Victor. <laughs> oh. See, Brian became a friend of mine because we ended up working at sports set together. But of the course. cool thing about covering him back in the day is like he would just say stuff like that. Like he would, he would tell you what was going on. Like he he was really a personality. I, I know that not everyone can be that way, but it's cool as a fan when your GM tells you that. It's, the problem is it, you're on the record then. Like stuff like this can come back. Like we don't know about what trades weren't made by other teams because their GM didn't come out and say, "Yeah, we could have traded for the number two pick, but they wanted Luke Shannon. We weren't doing that." Um, but anyway, Brian was a character. He was great to cover. Um, it was wild at times, but. He was a uh, he was he was a fun GM. L- last thing on Brian Burke and, and Nazem Kadri, and then I'll get to the next topic here. Is Naz is the year Nazem Kadri that draft? Is that the year where um, there's like a video of him on the draft floor? I think with yeah. uh, Brian Murray, the Sens GM, and he's like, "Yeah, uh, are you are you thinking of taking Nazem Kadri?" And he's like, "Yes." And he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna take him." Is that that year? That's that year, 2009 oh. draft. He was like, oh my like, god! Like was like trash talking Ottawa, saying like we're taking him. One <laughs> Brian Burke, uh, truculence. That's that truculence right there. Uh, one of a kind. One of a kind. Um, I wanted to talk about the Calgary Flames. Uh, we looked at them as a team uh, under Daryl Sutter hockey, seeming to do very well. Uh, Steve Dangle last week uh, said some things about the Leafs against them. Uh, they, they look like a playoff team, uh, but I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on an article that uh, our boy, Pierre Lebrun, wrote last week. He did an interview with GM Brad Treliving. Uh, and the biggest tidbit that came from it uh, was the fact that the Flames are in the market for secondary scoring. Uh, I just want to pick your brain and get a sense of uh, who do you think might fit the bill for Calgary or who they're, who they've been talking to or anything like that to kind of satisfy their needs. Well, they've got an interesting situation, right? Because Johnny Goodrow is an unrestricted free agent. Matthew Kachuk's a restricted free agent. I mean, like they, they have some big sort of foundational decisions coming at the end of this year. They're having, you know, a strong season. They have the best points percentage in the Pacific division as we're talking now. You know, I think we we would probably, if we had to pick, we'd probably put Vegas as the most likely to emerge from that division. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're Calgary and the way they're playing under Daryl Sutter, I think you're starting to think like, hey, maybe this could fall in line for us. And also with the big decisions coming, it probably means some changes are coming. Um, and so I feel like this is a year to go all in a little bit. And remember, they were in the Jack Eichel talks right till the end. You know, before he went, got sent to Vegas, Calgary was the other interested bidder there. And so, you know, while... Brad Living might be calling it secondary scoring. You know, I kind of wonder if they make a bigger splash uh, when all is said and done. I mean, you're, you're not going to show all your cards when you do those types of interviews before the, you know, before trade deadline. But, you know, I, I do think that any forward of consequence that's moved uh, before March 21st, you know, the, the Flames are going to have to look pretty seriously at. And, you know, they got one of the best lines in the league right now. Um, you know, Goodrow's having a monster season. I know we haven't talked about it on the pod much, but you know, he's really bounced back. He's another guy like Kadri in a contract year that the, the timing couldn't be better. Um, you know, and a lot of people wondered how he would fare under Daryl Sutter, right? Just, just a more defensive minded coach can be a tough coach at times. Uh, and, and it's worked really well. And so, you know, I, I can't tell you today who they're trading for, but I would say that I would, I would expect them to be quite aggressive at the deadline, especially if they keep playing as well as they have been 
uh, you know, through through February and into that period where, where a lot of these trades are going to get done. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of incentive there to be bolder, maybe than other situations, just because you're not thinking in the back of your mind, well, next year we're going to, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty about what that team looks like moving forward. But what the team looks like right now is you know, one of the, one of the, you know, maybe the second tier of teams, but, but, you know, one of the, the top teams in the second tier, you know, I, I kind of have my Stanley cup favorites and Calgary's not there, but they're, they're in that next group. And, and, you know, things could break their way. They, they get the right matchup. Someone gets upset and, and maybe they go on a run. You, you have them as a contender is what you're saying. A contender, but I probably got like five teams in the top group that like, that I, which is a lot, I get it, but you know, any of Colorado, Florida, uh, Carolina, Toronto, Vegas, like I Tampa guess Bay, Tampa there too. Yeah. Maybe it's a bigger group than I thought, but like, those are the teams. Like I think that the Stanley cup champion comes from that group of teams most likely. Mm-hmm. And, but then there is like the next phase, like you got Minnesota it's having a great year, Calgary. Like I, I kind of put those, those teams maybe, maybe fairly or not like a little bit below that group. Um, you know, Boston's sort of in that second tier group for me. Like I know they're, they're getting there, but like their season's been a little bit, it was certainly down in the beginning. They've been much better the last stretch of games. Although they got beat six, nothing by Carolina the other day. Like they just, it's hard to know what to make of Boston a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of how I see it breaking down. I mean, as you know, we, we got the Panthers to win the cup. There's yes, a juggernaut. We, we uh, <laughs> the SCPN bet. You, me, and producer Nick are going to get out for some nice meal if that that one hits. We should um, do it. Anyway. I already know. I already know what I want. That's good. That's good. So <laughs> uh, everyone else is playing for second because this is the Panthers' year. Um, but yeah, that's that's sort of how I see it breaking down, and and that's why I think though, if you're, I guess it's it's a tough spot to be, Brad, for living, because who knows what's going to go on with you know Goudreau and how that's all going to play out. Like like the longer he goes unsigned you think the less likely he's going to stay there, but, but no guarantees. Who knows? It's not, not fate accompli at this moment. Uh, so I, I think that they're like someone asked in the ask CJ questions, uh, one that I actually answered in my inside the NHL column um, was like, who's, who's an under the radar team for the deadline. I pick Calgary. Like, I think that they're, they should have more motivation to be aggressive than anyone. I did not put that uh, question in the list of questions. So we won't be doubling up. On Ask CJ, which we will did get you, to before did you the pick which the we, weird fruit one. Uh, I can go to that fruit one if you'd like. No, Absolutely. I didn't know how to answer it. Someone said, "What kind of fruit would you be, and why?" And like I spent <laughs> way too long contemplating it. I actually started to write an answer, and then I was like, "This is going to be interpreted so weirdly." So I'm just not going to give an answer. What do you? Why would you say it's going to be interpreted weirdly? I don't know. Like, why would you want to be any fruit? I don't know. Maybe you like, I, I guess like that's fruit. a good don't point. Get me I wrong. Guess. There's lots of fruits I like, but like, why would I want to be a fruit anyway? I guess that's fair. Right. Like, why would you want to be eaten like that in that way? Yeah. And if like you say I something just, with, yeah. If you say, yeah. if you say you have something with seeds, like it's like, like, like what are you doing? Like, yeah. you know what? We don't have to go through that question if you don't want to. Well, we basically just did. I just didn't give an answer. <laughs> we, broke, we, we, we broke it down. And, and I literally, that's the funny thing about the, the Ask CJ section. Because, like, you know, Sundays, it's, I, I got to write that column on a Sunday. Yeah. You know, obviously that's a day you kind of, you don't, you don't want to spend too long doing it. I mean, it takes a while. It's about 1,800 words usually each week. But, like, you know, it's the, the day you want to be chilling. And then, like, sometimes a question like that comes in and I waste 20 minutes, like, kicking it around <laughs> in my brain. Like, what fruit would I be? And how is someone going to read this? And, like, and, and so I love, I actually love the weird questions like they they crack me up sometimes like you know like the one from vegas last week on a scale of whatever zero to pete the boar how 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 hard did you get after in vegas or something like i just laughed when i saw that so i appreciate the the feedback but sometimes i really it takes me down rabbit holes and i just waste half my afternoon thinking about that my favorite which we didn't really get to but like someone said that uh they were kidnapped and the only way they could be freed is if they figure out what jeff carter's middle name is (laughs) Which, Did Jeff and uh, wife never come through for us on that? No, nah, she never came through, man. She you never came in through. On Twitter. Yeah, she did. I was I was genuinely hoping for her to just say like it's like Joffrey or something. I don't know. 
We should have we, the CJ show listeners should just bombard her until she answers. I mean, respectfully, you know, at the end of the day, it is social media. Behave yourselves, but like maybe yeah, just a polite. Yeah, sorry. yeah, be like a polite, like hey, yeah, respectfully, just be like hey, um, can we please know we're trying to figure out for the show? But uh, if like fifteen but, people are asking her what her husband's middle name is, she'll probably answer at some point because she's just. I'm like, sure, right. Or I don't, I mean, then again, I think a few people did and she was just like, well, guys, just give me your guesses, I guess. But maybe she'll do that again. But just, it's it's not going to hurt, man. Like, you all know what my, my middle names are. We went in on our middle names already yeah. on the podcast. You're I, my I'm king. Sure. You're my king, yes. brother. Yes. Also, I realized after I did the pod, I put, I put the addendum out on Twitter. Uh, Kari is uh, not Nigerian. It is Swahili for kingly. And Alexander... Uh, is my dad and my dad, my grandfather, uh, their middle names. Those names were in their names. So uh, that's why I have the names I have. I don't know why I messed it up initially when I was trying to explain it earlier. But uh, yeah, you know our middle names. It's nothing for us to know Jeff's. I learned I learned something important this week. Like we're, we're all over the place. Like we are not following the script today, but. Don't worry um, about that. We'll get to Brad Marshawn and Duga Rask in a moment. Did you know that producer Nick is also under five foot ten? Uh, that doesn't surprise me. He, 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 I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but like, he looked like a short king. I haven't met him in person though. And so I didn't realize that obviously I'm not known for my stature. (laughs) You might be the the tallest guy associated with this podcast, but you're not dunking basketball. And so podcast. I didn't even know that. Is, 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 (laughs) what's funny is like, we were tile, we were going to title the last podcast short king or short kings. (laughs) And like, I was thinking about, I was like, hmm, does that mean that everyone's just going to associate us as short kids? I was like, you know what? Like, who cares? I'm like at the average. It. I'm at like five nines. So like I'm at the average. Let's lean in on it, bro. I'm five seven and, and I've never been tall. Like it wasn't like I was like the tallest kid in grade one and I stopped growing. Like I've just never been tall. So I've had a long time to get used to this. Like the first time I met you in person, I was just like, okay, you're like at my height. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, you see, <laughs> But I love, I love that all three of us are, are short kings, brother. So, like, I think we got to get some merch going or something. Oh, Can't all just be okay. Coburg merch and Bitcoin merch. I mean, yes. we, we, we represent more than that. SDPN.ca. Uh, go to our store to buy some merch from us. Uh, so, also, did you try to buy? I, I wanted to buy one of those jerseys. Uh, they were gonna. They made them briefly available, and they just like sold out. I really wanted one. I can't even get one, and I am a part of the SDPN. <sighs> wow. Oh well, it just, you're, not, you're not using your connections very well, but I very much am not. I, I I saw it in the newsletter, and I was like, you know what, man? And like, I, I just thought, you know what? I'll just get it tomorrow, and that's that's my fault. I should have worked on that. All right, I'll get us back on track here. Um, one story we did not get to last week because things were kind of unfolding with it. Uh, was Brad Marchand his antics against the Pittsburgh Penguins earlier this week? An incident with him and goaltender Tristan Jerry ultimately led to a six-game suspension that has since uh, led to comments from Brad Marchand about it and an appeal. Uh, it is possible maybe we hear uh, a, an answer to that in the coming days or today. But I just want your general thoughts on on what happened with Brad Marchand, Tristan Jerry, and everything else that's followed since. Well, yeah, I mean, clearly Brad feels like his past, uh, you know, colored the decision, you know, informed the decision. I think that that's true. I mean, that's that's part of what they do at the Department of Player Safety. They, they consider who's who's doing it and why, you know, they're, they're trying to, um, you know, look at events through that ways. And I think so. It's so different. Remember, like Jason Spetz earlier this season, got a six game suspension. He ended up getting it reduced by a couple of games. You know, he'd played over a thousand games in the league without ever being suspended. I think. The fact that Brad Marchand has the history he does, you know, he's kind of proving their point. Like he feels like they've, they've gone excessive there, but I think they're, they're sort of saying, look, man, you've, you've been warned a lot. You've been suspended a lot. And to his credit, a lot of that stuff happened a long time ago. Like I do think he's, I think he's cleaned up his game significantly from the early parts of his career. But um, you know, I, I don't have, I don't think that this has much chance of being reduced, honestly, uh, just because of, who he is and, and the process that goes into those rulings. And yeah, I mean, I, I get that he doesn't like it. It's a lot of money, it's a lot of games, but 
you know, when, when, when you have a, when you have a history that that's, that's tends to be how punishment works, right? You, you get treated more with more leniency when you, when you haven't uh, shown a, a pattern of behavior. And, you know, as I say, his look, we're talking about it. Like, I think Brad Marchand's going to be a hall of famer when his career's done, honestly. Um, if you start looking at the numbers, you look at how, how great he's been the last number of seasons. Like if he continues on that trajectory, I, he's got a strong case to get there. Uh, and so I got all kinds of respect for his game, but, but he does have that past history. And, um, you know, when he, when he does cross the line, it's been well-documented. And, and I think that that, I think they're sending him a message with that six game suspension. Yeah. If someone else did it, it's not going to be six games, but that's not the point. It wasn't someone else who did it. Uh, Brad Marchand is what Charlie Murphy would describe as a habitual line stepper. If you get you get my drift, he's a habitual line stepper. He's always kind of teetering over the line, doing something that he shouldn't be doing. So, yeah. like for him to just be like, "Yeah, like I don't know about the way that they're punishing me," I'm just kind of looking at him, just like, "Like really, dude? <laughs> like you didn't expect you were gonna get this?" Right. I look at no one wants to be. No one wants to miss games. You know, I can't remember how much money it was. It was 150 grand or something like that. It was anyway serious dough. Like I, I get that he wants to get that back, but. I just, I, it's kind of a futile uh, defense, in my opinion. And ultimately, he's going to just take his medicine and move on. Yeah, that's what he's just going to have to do. Uh, staying in Boston, another quick hit here. Uh, Tuka Rask, uh, who tried to come back earlier uh, this calendar year. Uh, he would always been battling some injuries, but uh, he was training with the Boston Bruins. They eventually signed him, uh, but it looked as if uh, he is not able to continue, I think, with the latest setback. So he has announced his retirement. Uh, any thoughts on Tuka Rask? And is he a Hall of Famer in your eyes? Well, he was the part of one of the more lopsided trades in NHL history. Yes. Uh, with the Leafs having drafted him uh, and deciding to keep Justin Pogge, who they drafted at the time, was Canada's World Junior goalie. Uh, and then gave him away, what, for Andrew Raycroft, I believe. And anyway, yes. Tuka goes on and plays 500-plus games in Boston. Career 921 save percentage. You know, it's funny. He, he was always a controversial, I never quite understood it, but like among the fans of the Bruins, he kind of had this reputation, like he can't win the big game. You know, I, I don't know that that's fair. Uh, you know, I was at game seven in the 2019 cup. Like I know St. Louis won the cup in Boston, but you know, the Boston started strong in that game. They didn't score. And then, yeah, it's, it's uh I, th- I think he had a, a marvelous career. I think he actually has a borderline case as well for the Hall of Fame. You know, I don't know if he'll get there. And not a lot of goalies get into the Hall of Fame, right? And and I think yeah. my my view on it is is not that the Hall of Fame committee hates goaltenders or doesn't know how to appreciate goaltenders. I think part of it is that goalies rarely come into the league and have like 10 great seasons in a row, right? Like there's more variance in performance. Whereas like Connor McDavid comes into the NHL and he's going to either lead the league in scoring or be like second or third 10 years in a row. And so he's very clearly one of the absolute best at his position ever to play. And, and it's, it's easier to put something like that in the hall. Whereas, you know, you can have a great career as a goalie, but still have like a year where you're at 904 and your team misses the playoffs or, you know, so much is I think dependent on who you play with and the team you play for, you know, the number of guys that have had just consistently strong careers is pretty small in that position. I mean, Marty Brodeur is probably one. Patrick Waugh didn't have too many off years. And, but I just think that goaltending, it's a little bit more in and out. And so it's harder maybe to assess, you know, which goalies belong in the hall, but you know, I haven't looked at Tuka's case like really close. I haven't scrutinized it, I guess I'd say, but you know, given that he is a career 921 goaltender, like that's, that's hard to do over a significant number of games. You know, he didn't win a cup as a starter. You know, he was the backup to Tim Thomas on the 2011 cup team. Um, you know, I don't know if he'll quite get there, but I, I certainly think he's he's well in the mix for the conversation. Like he's deserving of a place to be considered. Um, you know, who are the Hall of Fame goalies from this generation? We're gonna have Henrik Lundqvist, Carey Price. Price. Like, does Jonathan Quick get in? Like, Jonathan Quick won two cups, but his if you look, he was actually he drafted. Fell off. Same, I know, but he was drafted the same draft as Tukaras, two thousand five. And Rask like has much better save percentage, but you know, he won two cups. Like I'm not, I'm not chipping away at him, but I, I feel like if you're the goaltender record for two cup teams, you're probably winning, but are you, so you're probably getting in, but yeah, like there's not a lot of goalies. It's just hard for goaltenders to get into the hall. 
I think I forget who asked that question to you on Ask CJ. I don't know if that's what percolated in your mind, but someone uh, over the weekend did send you a similar question. Like, why aren't there more goalies in the hall before the end of the podcast? I'll make sure to uh, mention who that tweeter was. And the only thing I can contribute with Tuka Rask, um, great goalie, obviously Uh, you are right. He was a backup for Tim Thomas, won a Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins. Uh, Just, you know, one of the we, we we could think of him at his peak as a guy who always found himself in the top three in the conversation as a goalie. But my thing with uh, I think I mentioned the story before uh, Christmas Eve, I was walking around uh, a store and I found a uh, <laughs> I found a um, one of those like act those like dolls, not dolls. I don't know why I don't have it right. But one of those figures of uh, those NHL players and this wonderful yeah. like, Rask. I took a photo of it and I sent it to, to Dangle and I was like, this guy was a leaf. Would you got, would you want this as a late Christmas gift? And he wrote me back, Merry Christmas, asshole. Did I tell this like that he, he once played a professional tennis player in Finland? He's a big tennis player and the, yes. the tennis player to play with a frying pan. Yes. You told that story that I remember that was a funny pan. story. Apparently the frying pan hangs over the bar still in the bar, like where they made this bet. And and the, the professional tennis player won the game with a frying pan. That's a frying like I don't get why. Like, I mean, hey, look, you know what? Stranger well, things how have happened. You could do with a professional tennis player, because you, you have to have, have them to play with their them. left. I guess, but anyway, Duke is a great character. He had a great yeah. career. He absolutely did. Um, I'm going to bring back a segment before we get to uh, ask CJ that I think worked the last time we did it. Uh, the trading pile. I'm just going to mention some names. Tell me what's the latest trade chat, ch- the latest trade chatter around them. And uh, maybe we'll get some fans excited about uh, some trades about five right. weeks away from the NHL trade deadline. Trade uh, gonna, yes. Uh, trading pile. Number one, uh, this person was just placed on injured reserve uh, but they're only going to be out a week. Ben Sherratt, what, what's the trade chatter around him? It's been significant. There's been a lot of interest in Sherratt throughout the season. You know, I think Montreal is looking for a return similar to what David Savard got Columbus last year at the deadline. So you're looking at a first-round pick plus something else, most likely, if, if they're able to get the market there. The good news, you're right, Sherratt suffered an ankle injury in the game Saturday afternoon against Columbus. But, you know, from what I'm hearing, it's not too serious. So, you know, if anything, I think they just want to wrap them in bubble wrap at this point and, you know, get them healthy to the deadline. I mean, we, we all know what the season is about Montreal. Um, and he's probably one of their bigger assets just because he's on a, a contract that contending teams can add. Plays sort of a physical style that I think teams, you know, gearing up for the playoffs are going to want to add. And he's, uh, he's expiring, right? It's, it's, you know, some of the other players like a Jeff Petrie who Montreal will put on the market. You know, it's just more complicated because he's, he's got a number of years on his deal. Um, so, it's, so it's harder for teams to, to absorb, you know, him being traded. So, yeah, Sherratt, I'm confident, will be moved. I think he'll get at least a first-round pick. And, you know, maybe that trade happens sooner than later with the little injury scare, just kind of a reminder to the Canadians' management about, you know, the potential perils of, you know, rolling him out there every night because uh, it is a physical game. That tr- That is true. Uh, Pat, actually, before I finish, how, how many teams uh, for Ben Sherratt? Because it looks as if there's like a whole bunch of teams who are interested in him. Yeah, I don't have the number, you know, like I think I've mentioned, like I know the Leafs have called on him. There's a lot of teams. Like I think he's – it's funny because, you know, I see he gets – he's maligned on Twitter, I see. But he's uh, – you know, I think he fits a specific need that a lot of contending teams feel they have. Um, you know, you're not bringing him in. You're probably playing on your third pairing, frankly. Uh, if you're a team that thinks you can win the Stanley Cup, you probably got four better defensemen than him. But um, – you know, he's big and, and physical and, and the playoffs is hard. It's a different game, uh, you know, style that can win in the regular season doesn't always win in the playoffs. And so I think it'll be a number of teams. It, it, there's been interest in him all year long. Like I think because he was one of the teams, you know, Montreal's season has been such a disaster. You, you, you were confident if you were a GM in November, December, that there would be a seller and he's an obvious piece to, to be sold. That's true. Uh, Pavel Zaka in New Jersey is next on the training pile. Yeah, Jeff Merrick, I saw, had a report that uh, Vancouver's interested. I mean, you know, he's just in an interesting spot in his career because he's one year from UFA, Zaka. Uh, so he kind of controls the circumstances a little bit. 
in that he could just sign a qualifying offer and walk himself to UFA in summer 2023. Um, and so New Jersey's going to have to consider that. You know, they've also got some younger players. And, you know, he would be, he would be a nice piece. Um, we'll see if, if Jeff's report on Vancouver is right, but you, you can see why the Devils would at least be, would, would at least be looking at, at that kind of move just because it's all about managing your asset. And, you know, it's start of the career. The teams control a lot of the leverage in these negotiations. The deeper you get in, you know, the players got more mechanisms to, 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 to make more money. What about uh, Vitaly Kravtsov, uh, the uh, Rangers prospect? He's still under Rangers. They still have his rights, I believe. They still have his rights. And, you know, earlier in the year, he'd asked for a trade. That kind of cooled off a little bit. But I, I do think, you know, New York's a team that's going to be a buyer at the deadline. He's, he's one of the things they can buy with. You know, he's one of their – he's their credit card as they go into the shopping mall uh, <laughs> a little bit in addition to their draft picks and a few other prospects they have. And so, you know, I – I, I, there's definitely been some interest in him, but like he's a prospect that never met his, his, you know, didn't meet the hype and with the Rangers and now you get deeper into the career. And so how they view him and how the other teams view him hasn't fallen in line. Uh, Cause they still view him as sort of a blue chip. And, and I think there's some question about that around the league, but it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him traded as part of, you know, whatever buying that the Rangers do at the deadline. Nick Ritchie of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. His stock's way down too. You know, it just hasn't worked out. The Leafs signed four forwards in the offseason. Three of them have hit. And, and the fourth one is Nick Ritchie, who's you know just, just never found a place in the lineup. He started with Austin Matthews on the top line, you know, progressively fell down the lineup as time went on, and now he's not even playing games. You know, the, the, the trick here is he's got a $2.5 million cap hit. And so, you know, the, the Leafs, I think, are only going to retain so much on that. Um, in trading him, and you're, you're trading a distressed asset, essentially a player who hasn't perform too well for you. Um, you know, he's still young though, 20, 25, 26 years old. So I think that there's, there's a world he gets traded, but it's, it's not an easy move. And, and the thing the Leafs would be balancing is if they have to give up, like if they have to sweeten the pot too much, it might just be worth holding on to him and buying out the final year of his contract, because that would only count next year, 300,000 against the cap. And so, you know, I think that that's kind of the, the, the line that's, be, that's being balanced here as they, they work through those trade discussions. Sorry, did I hear that right? Three hundred thousand against the cap next year. Yeah. So instead of two point five million to be a player, he'd be three hundred thousand bought out next year. So it's a two point two million dollars savings. You know, which I'm sure they'll buy him out unless something. There's some, unless there's some dramatic like rise from the ashes moment here. There's injuries and he gets back in the lineup and finds his game. You know, barring that, I would think that that's that's where he's headed unless they can can find a way to move him. I didn't realize that uh, that it could go that low in terms of uh, like the a salary allotted if you buy out a guy. I didn't realize it could get down to 300000 I always just assumed that it could only go down to like the minimum salary. I didn't realize that. Yeah, and then uh, the following season, he would be $1.1 million. Sheesh! So, but it's still, it's still it's still worth probably doing if you don't feel like you can play for the team, right? I mean, it, it's it, like the Leafs, uh, well-documented, are always doing the tango with the salary cap ceiling. And so that money will be valuable for them, whether they're signing Jack Campbell in the offseason or for other, other additions that they're pursuing. Um, you know, I, I sort of feel like because where they are with the cap, like they had to make those four forward signings, like they had holes to fill. The fact three of them worked out, you know, Michael Bunting, Andre Kasha, David Camp have all really fit in nicely with the team on sort of bargain-ish contracts. You know, if you hit on three out of four when you got to sign four, I think you're doing pretty well, all things considered. I mean, I'm not defending the Richie signing per se, but I, you know, they, they were, they were bargain shopping. So they, they weren't going to walk out of there with classy threads at on free agency day. That's true. A final member of the trading pile for this Monday edition of the CJ show, Mark Andre Fleury. That's a name we've discussed a lot on this show. It is. And you know, what's interesting about his situation, it doesn't sound like there's really been much talk between he and the team about whether he'll be traded him and his agent. I don't think have gone there. And really, we don't see a lot of goalies move at the deadline. Here, you have a potentially elite goalie. I mean, obviously, Mark Andre Fleury is coming towards the end of his career, but you know, he's still a pretty high-end performer. And you know, I don't know if he'll be traded just because you know, usually contending teams have their goaltending sewn up. You know, there was a time, you know, I'd heard the Colorado was quite interested in him, or was maybe going to flip Darcy Kemper somewhere else as, as part of that. Well, you know, Colorado they barely lost in a month and a half. Like, like they. <laughs> You know, they just keep winning. So, and and certainly, you know, I, I saw yesterday Jared Bednar had some nice things to say about Darcy Kemper. So 
you know, maybe, maybe that situation looks a little different. And so it seems like Flurry is going to probably come down to the wire unless, you know, a contending team has a serious injury to their top goalie in the next couple of days. Maybe, maybe the timeline will change, but barring that, you know, I think it's going to go to the wire and, you know, see if, if there's a fit for Mark somewhere else. Um, before actually, I, I kind of lied about uh, making that the segment before we get to ask CJ. Uh, I think Craig Berube also got an extension last week too. I should have mentioned that at some point earlier on, but uh, wonder if you have any thoughts on that before we get to ask CJ. Well, he earned, he earned his extension, right? I mean, it's went into this year, you know, it's not a comfortable place for a coach when you're, you're coaching in the final year and, and the blues have had a great season. So three years, um, he's making the good money now. I mean, it's, 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 it's good for him. And, you know, we, we've seen the value of that, but this was a week where two coaches were fired. Right. And, um, you know, getting those extensions is, is big because it doesn't guarantee he's going to get to coach all three seasons beyond this one, but, but at least he'll be getting paid for them. And, and, you know, I think well-earned for him. I mean, he, he won a Stanley cup as an interim head coach and, you know, shown that he's got some staying power there with, with how well the, the team's performed. I think maybe, maybe even a little bit above what outside expectations were at the blues this year. Uh, they're, they're kind of below the radar. I didn't even mention them when we were doing the tier two sort of cup contenders. Like they, they probably deserve a spot in there too. And uh, I overlooked them. I, I sort of a team that's under the radar right, right now. That is very true. And with that, we've concluded most of these segments. So it's time for Ask CJ. We do this every Monday. We take your questions, uh, whether on Twitter or on Discord. Let's start with this one from Tricky Ricky 58 Which NHL player would you compare to Joe Burrow to? Austin Matthews. Okay. I, mean, seemed, I, I saw that coming. He's pretty obvious to me, but let's not overthink it. I mean, Austin's got his own style certainly has some some swagger too and and you know it's maybe not a perfect comparison but i think i think they're the most the two most alike in that regard i mean there's not many nhl players that like are really open about their sort of fashion interests and like austin has been for the minute after the league uh he tries by again by very cautious nhl standards has tried some risky outfits and things and so um yeah i, I think he reminds me most of burrow that way okay um in your uh, your initial prompt to uh, for questions on Twitter, uh, one of the things you were open to being asked about, chili, chili recipes. Uh, so Montreal Design on Twitter asked you, how hot do you go with your chili? I, I got to be like about a five out of 10. I, mm. I don't mind hot or spicy foods, but if I eat them, I need many napkins around because <laughs> everything comes out my nose, out my eyes. So... I, I can't, I can't handle super, super spicy. Again, I, it's not that I don't like the taste of it or anything. It's just, I become a mess pretty quickly. So if I'm trying to, if I'm trying to keep an appearance up, then I, I can only go about five out of 10 on chili. I think you'd have liked the chili I made on Sunday for Super Bowl Sunday. So uh, I guess next time you're in town, I'll, 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 I'll make some chili. You, you know when the last time I made chili was, is when I worked at what? Wendy's in high school. Oh yeah. Back in the like, day when you were really- at Wendy's. That was literally the last time I personally made chili. I've eaten chili since then, but I haven't made it myself. I promise you my chili is better than Wendy's chili. I promise you that. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> you don't seem so sure. I bet. All right, I'll remember that. Uh, next question from Davey Upper on Twitter. Do you see the New York Rangers being very active this trade deadline? And what's the main position of need for the Rangers in your opinion? Yeah, they're getting a forward. I'd be surprised if they didn't. You know, they've been linked to JT Miller all season long. You know, what's interesting about JT Miller is I'm not convinced any longer the Vancouver Canucks want to trade him. You know, he was definitely sort of made available or floated out there, whatever you want to call that. But, you know, he's, he's their top scorer this year. And he's still got one year on his contract. And so, you know, it, it seems, sounds to me like there's, there's maybe some second guessing or some second thought being given to whether he's dealt. But even if it's not JT, you know, I, I certainly think the Rangers will – will be a team that's out there trading for another forward to, to boost their, their group. And, and, you know, they're, they're a second tier contender too, because they got a great goaltender and they've, they've had a, a good season. Next question from boop master Ben on discord in St. Louis, there is a universal hatred for Stan Kroenke and Mike Keenan. What sport figures do you hate from each of your cities? Huh. I mean, I don't, I don't really hate anyone. Um, 
I get frustrated with Jerry Jones as a Cowboys fan. <laughs> I think that's, that's not the spirit of the question being asked. I mean, if, if you're, you know, I live in Toronto. So if you were talking to an old enough Leafs fan, they probably hated Harold Ballard back in the day was sort of a, an owner that ran the team cheaply before there was a salary cap. Um, and despite having a full building on all those things, but I don't, I don't personally, I'm not, I'm not hating on too many people, but Jerry Jones would be my answer just because I want him to get out the way. My answer. Yeah. It's kind of tough for me. I don't know if I have an exec or personality that I hate that is, uh, I, I just kind of hate, but yeah, if you talk to older Montreal sports fans, they probably say, uh, one of these three names or all three, uh, Claude Brashu, Jeffrey Loria and David Sampson. And they all had to do with the demise of the Montreal Expo. So I, I think something along those lines, if you talk to people in Montreal, it's one of those three people. Right. That's a cronky. That, that's, that's the better analogy, right. Than, than me, I guess, Kerry Fraser would be the other one for Leafs fans. Cause he didn't call a high sticking penalty on Wayne Gretzky in the 1993 Western conference final game six. And then Gretzky scores in overtime and the Leafs don't advance to the Stanley cup final. So that would be another Leaf fan. But again, that's not my personal view. Actually, I think if you ask like a certain faction of Canadians fans, maybe it's Justin Williams because there was oh, the, no. o- the 06. Like, there could be no what? Justin Williams slander on this podcast. This is a Cobra. No, here's, here's the thing. He's 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 Mr. Game 7. But like in the 06 playoffs when he was with the Hurricanes, I believe he clipped Saku Koivu in the eye and he like missed the rest of the series after the Canes had a 2-0 series lead. And the Canes just kind of romped after that, and they went on to win the Stanley Cup final after that. But I don't think it's that much of a thing. Maybe Eric Cole, he, before he joined the Canes, he scored a lot against them. Brad Marchand probably fits that bill too, I guess, for fans. Yeah, I don't know. There's no, like, big, like, unless Life's I'm too really short for him, like man. Life's too short Yeah, for him. I guess. All right, last one from McDrew on Discord. Since the announcement of Jake DeBrusque's trade request, I haven't heard a lot. Since the COVID break, he's been thriving in a third-line role, and there seems to be less conflict with head coach Bruce Cassidy. Is he still going to get moved? If so, for what? I think he'll get moved. It might not be a trade before the deadline, though. I mean, I think this is something that that can probably be revisited in the offseason. You know, there's a long – there's been a lot of ups and downs for Jake and, and Bruce, I think, like, it's just, it's just the way it's gone. It's the way it works for some players. Obviously the coach is trying to push them and feels he's doing the right thing by doing that with a young player. And, you know, Jake bristled under that, but, you know, winning solves all the teams won more since that trade request went in. He's, he's found his place as, as the question states. And, you know, I, I don't see that happening in season, but, but certainly I, I do think, you know, in the off season, it's, it's, it's likely. And uh, thank you, McDrew, for that question. And thank you to everyone else for sending in their questions. And thank you all for watching this Monday edition of the Chris Johnston Show. Enjoyed it, as always, my friend. We even talked about hockey for a few minutes. Yeah, we did. We found time to fit hockey talk in our busy schedules. Uh, Yes, in all seriousness, thank you all for watching, uh, whether on YouTube or listening over wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, enjoy the Steve Dangle podcast, enjoy Agent Provocateur, uh, enjoy Noxie and Tax, and of course, whatever brand new podcasts come out from the SDPN machine, because we are pumping out so much content. It is ridiculous. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. Stick Taps will also be part of the Thursday show, and whatever nonsense we can conjure up in between that time. For CJ, I'm Julian saying so long and peace. Johnston Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie.